The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left, straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. <laughs> I, I want to keep <laughs> Rick Carter's been with us and I keep trying to come up with a new nickname well it's just uh, Charlton R. Carter the third is here exciting hey and across the church <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey he's like exciting yeah exciting. and across the church is Rocketman Andy Bishop Cal yeah so we are now into our third third testimony right yeah third testimony here at Berean Bible Church again thanks Pastor Curtis and everybody for letting us be here we only got 12 more only 12 more today. Yeah, we we just ate Good a lot news, of Good news, though. We're doing all 12 of those at once. So don't be surprised if you hear a lot of belching and all of those other things that come with that when you eat at Moe's. What is, what is, oh, yeah. Every time you walk into Moe's, you go, welcome to Moe's. <laughs> and if you give them a tip, they, they clap for you because you're giving them gas money. Did you know? That? I don't know if they do that down here. They do it up in- I don't know about gas money today. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe just gas. Yeah. <laughs> So we have actually two special guests that we have here on the show today. We have authors Pete and Rachel Rue. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was introduced, I believe it was, it was Bob Cruikshank that actually introduced us, or you reached out. Actually, you did. You, you reached, reached out, out to yeah. us and uh, told us about your book and mm-hmm. uh, sent me a book, and I read it, and I was floored, and I, pa- I passed it down to Cherry, and she was floored, and so... Yes. Uh, so excited to have you here. Awesome. Your, your book, The Return of Christ, Why Are We Still Waiting? And it's such an awesome, it looks like a little textbook, like a perfect little textbook. And uh, we love it because it's it's a very simple way of looking at my faith, you know, as a, as a full preterist. It's, it's incredible. I love it. Awesome. Glad you enjoy it. Yeah. We try to make it real simple, use lots of pictures and um, no fluff, just all meat. So, yeah. We were wondering if you guys could make a pop up book next year. <laughs> that would <laughs> help. That'd be really some cool, of us. actually. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. Yeah. I don't know if you said yeah. that in the congregation, <laughs> but that was great. That was brilliant. I'm glad you repeated that. Especially I missed after it. Mo's. Yeah. yeah. So, we are actually going to approach this a little bit different since you guys. Uh, are a couple, kind of like we did with Jeff and Veronica, just a little bit different. Um, we we all know what my main question always is, so we'll get to that. But when, once I do ask you that question, then I'd like you both maybe to give a brief um, introduction like to your salvation story, and then I would like to hear about how you met and how you got to where you are today. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Excellent. So I'll ask you first, Pete. Okay. And then when, you're, when you say your spiel, as we call it, then we'll pass it off to Rachel. So with your earliest memory, can you tell me when you heard the name Jesus Christ? Oh, boy. So for me, um, I was raised uh, Catholic, as many people are. Uh, both my parents were uh, Catholic. So for me, my earliest memory is them handing me a Catholic Bible. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure how old I was. I was probably around 9 or 10, maybe, maybe even 11. But um, 
yeah, that's my earliest memory of just hearing the name Jesus. Now, I didn't really read the Bible. I didn't really uh, know much about Jesus or anything. But um, for me, um, we just basically, my family, we went to church. Maybe, I think we were Christers. We just went on Christmas and Easter all the time, and that was pretty much it. We didn't really— uh, What did you call it? Christers? Christer. Christers. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas and Easter. That's good. So that's pretty much what we went to church all the time. Um <laughs> We didn't really, you know, study the Catholic faith much or anything like that. It wasn't until I was maybe older that uh, they enrolled me into, like, religion class where I had to, I know other people from my school and whatnot. Uh, we all went to religion class together, and they would just teach us about Catholicism and stuff like that. So um, that was really my introduction to uh, Jesus, but I didn't really— um, I would say I didn't really, like, study or do much with it for— a huge part of my life, actually. Um, it wasn't until I moved to—actually, uh, let's fill in the blanks here a little bit, because I was really young, heard about Jesus, but then later in life, I, uh, I was a musician, and eventually I moved to L.A. Uh, to study drums, and I was oh. about 18, 19 years old when I moved to L.A. It would have been 1994, 95, mm -hmm. and that was the first time I was introduced to kind of something different, and there was a lot of, like— um, uh, Scientology out there, mm -hmm. L. Ron Hubbard and Dianetics and all that stuff. And I didn't really know anything about that either. But that was the first time I was kind of introduced to something else other than Jesus and Christianity. I didn't do anything with Scientology, uh, but um, it was just something I heard. But uh, coming back um, to Rochester in probably 1995, um, I started to teach drums. And I worked out of a school, and the owners of the school were Christian, the husband and wife. And so in about 1996, I was uh, basically teaching at their school, and they would approach me all the time and, you know, talk about Jesus and whatnot. And uh, again, you know, they would say, oh, you someday you're going to get saved. And I'm like, saved from what? You know, like, <laughs> I didn't know what's going on. So so anyway, they planted a lot of seeds in my life and um, over the years and basically, uh, you know, kept uh, like kind of witnessing to me and kind of sharing the gospel with me and you know, just planting those seeds. And then I kind of started watching like TBN and stuff like that. And uh, try, I got a little curious here and there. Maybe started reading the Bible a little bit. And um, I, for me anyway, it was, it, it took a, a few years because I, I got saved, I would say probably in 2000 or 2001. Mm -hmm. But I remember specifically um, in this whole journey, there was a movie on, I think it was Apocalypse with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Dreyfus. No. <laughs> apocalypse Now or Apocalypse? I think it's just called Apocalypse. Oh, okay. um, anyway, um, it was about uh, John on the island of Patmos. Oh. And uh, I was just like really intrigued by it. But I think what hit me was how holy and just God was and how unholy I was and this huge gaping hole. So I remember in my bedroom giving my life, just kind of weeping and just seeing that and seeing where I was as a sinner and how holy and just and righteous God was. And, you know, they were telling me how to accept God's righteousness and all that. So I just knelt down on the side of my bed and just weeped and just gave my life to the Lord. And it was just one of those moments in my life that was amazing. I almost like heard a voice that said, the Holy Spirit is within you and there shall always be. And I didn't know what that even meant. Yeah. But then when I started studying the scripture, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you're born again to the Holy Spirit, confess with your your mouth. You know, I was just like, believe in your heart. And um, I was like, wow, if he was going to say anything to me, that would be the, the words I wanted to hear. And um, so then just from there, I just started studying and reading and um, uh, 
basically, I joined a church, uh, joined on the worship team, some musician, mm-hmm. and just started studying like crazy and, you know, getting all those um, Disby books, starting with uh, my, get my Chuck Smith, you know, uh, Chuck Missler, my Tim LaHaye. I never read Left Behind, but he had like um, encyclopedias and stuff like that on End Times and sure. all that. And, um, and Dave Hunt and uh, who was it? Oh, the, the, the people that kind of led me to the Lord, they were in like Jack and Rexella Van Impey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? So, uh, a smorgasbord. So, yeah, yeah. So, there's a lot of wow. stuff there. So, there's a lot of stuff. So, over the years, I just kept studying and studying. And now, like, like I said, I was at, on church, I was on the worship team. Um, yeah, and then we're just going life as usual. Now, I'm a Christian. And yeah. then I ran into Rachel. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Rachel, how about you? Let's go back to that first initial question. When was the first time you ever heard the name Jesus? Um, that's hard to say. Um, I probably heard it several times throughout my life. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home or a religious home. Um, my mom didn't have any faith or religion, but she wasn't. She was open. She wasn't opposed to anything. Um, so I actually have a really early memory, and I just share it because I, I can't believe I remember it, but... Um, is actually when I was around six years old, we had a next door neighbor. Her name was Peggy, and she used to take me to church with her on Wednesday nights. For a while, I remembered this, and I remembered being at some sort of like Sunday school, but I didn't know how I got there because I knew my mom didn't take me, but um, it eventually surfaced. But anyway, it wasn't until much later that I became a Christian. I did have some exposure to Catholicism because I had uh, an aunt that used to take me to church with her on Sundays sometimes. So that was pretty much my only church exposure. So I don't know, looking back, there's all these different points in my life when I can remember there was a Christian or someone invited me to church or talked about God. But it wasn't until I was about 26 that um, I was going to visit my mom and my stepdad would have his friend over all the time and he was a Christian. Um, So he would always be talking about the Bible, telling us about getting saved, specifically that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected the third day. So I don't remember, like I don't have a specific moment or a date like Mm -hmm. Pete kind of remembers, but that was it. I was really interested in what he had to say and we started going to a church and I got baptized. So that was 2007. And the church I was going to is what Pete would call like a fluffy church. They didn't really go deep into doctrine. So I was there for about a year or two. And then I kind of fell away. I got into a relationship with an unbeliever, and it wasn't very good for me. It was a really bad relationship, and um, I got married to this person. 2010, we got married, and by 2011, I was done. So I separated and started going back to church and um, reading my Bible. And this time I felt really more like it was a, a better foundation, praying a lot more and everything. The church I was going to at this time was a Calvary Chapel. So that's where I first started learning about the rapture and dispensationalism. So that kind of kicked it off there. I was really interested in that and trying to study that. But I had questions. I believed it because they were telling me it, but things about it weren't making sense. I wasn't seeing it in Mm -hmm. the scripture. And I was like, where are they getting this? How are they coming up with this? So 
And then when Pete and I started dating, I started bringing that up to him. So we were introduced in early 2012 by... Actually, by the people that I was teaching at the school with. Uh, when I started teaching drums and whatnot, uh, those same people that kind of planted the seeds in my life introduced us. We came over for a Super Bowl party, and they yeah. were kind of setting us up, but they weren't setting us up, they said, but uh, it was a total setup, yeah. People couldn't see, <laughs> the, our audience couldn't see him doing the air quotes on yeah. a Super Bowl party, <laughs> so that was definitely a setup. Got it. <laughs> so you two have met, and you've both had this your salvation experiences, and now you guys have met. So take us from there. Like, tell us tell us your story. I'm very interested to see how you got to this. Sure. I think from there, it was just fighting. Um, no. <laughs> 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 no, because um, she was, I was, you know, I was just, uh, she was kind of challenging my pre-trib rapture and dispensational view, and I kept thinking, you know, you're crazy. All my books can't be wrong. You're you're insane. And this like, is so specifically because you were reading the Bible and picking up on things. You're just reading it and saying, oh, wow. Something um, well, I, there were always these lingering questions. Like the pastor would teach about, you know, a lot of people confuse the rapture with the second coming. And I remember looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and I'm going, it sounds like the second coming to me mm-hmm. I, where, you know, I wouldn't know otherwise if you weren't telling me that. So stuff like that. And then Matthew 24 in a Bible study one time being told, you know, don't worry about this. We're not going to go through any of this. We're getting raptured first. So you won't be here for this. And I was like, where does Jesus say that? So <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and then it eventually bothered me because I'm like, why can they see this and I can't? I, where are they getting it from in the Bible? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Pete and I, our whole relationship, we pretty much talk scripture and yeah. all of that. So I asked him because he studies and has lots of books and he printed me out a chart from one of his dispensational books. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Tim LaHaye. Yeah. Tim LaHaye Encyclopedia. He can't be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You're tall Will. it's the typical you know you've got uh, the cross the church age the rapture seven years second coming millennium Um, and it was referencing scriptures from Matthew Daniel and Revelation so I looked up all the scriptures I studied this and I was like I'm still confused I still don't see it so um, we were studying Walter Martin too at a point and he was not a pre-trib rapture guy so he was post yeah but you didn't know that. But yeah. <laughs> Until I figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And as you'll find on this whole thing, she kind of like led the way for yeah. me. She was just like kind of hitting me over the head with all this and kind of leading the way um, in eschatology. I was interested in just studying a lot of other things, but she was just all eschatology and just studying. And I was just trying to keep up the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically what happened is one day, I stumbled upon this video in my YouTube feed, and it was like a documentary that taught a post-trib instead of a pre-trib rapture. And I watched it and was like, this, this is the problem. This is why the other view never made sense. This made more sense to me. So that, that's where it really kicked off the whole journey. I showed it to Pete the next time I saw him. I was like, you got to watch this. And he was hesitant. He watched it, but he... 
I don't know if it all clicked just then, but um, yeah, I, yeah. I would always study, though, everything that she brought to me because I just wanted truth. I just wanted to get to the bottom of the truth. So mm-hmm. I was always open minded enough to study it. I wouldn't just say she's crazy and just shun her. But like <laughs> I wanted to know the truth. So if she had a great point and she was poking holes in my view, I wanted to know about it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I always kept an open mind and then, you know, we would study. I would listen, hear her out and then we would study it together. And I usually came to the conclusion that she came to. Um, because the one I was hold- the position I was holding at the time just wasn't holding no, any is this water. Why you guys are still dating. Yeah, <laughs> you're still oh. dating at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, you're still dating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this was we didn't really start seriously dating till late 2012. So all throughout 2013, we were trying to figure out this rapture stuff. Um, we got married in October 2013. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got married, neither one of us believed in the pre-trib anymore. But it was a lot of uh, wrestling and Arguments fighting with it. I mean, were you I, afraid at any point the rapture would become before you got married? No. <laughs> I mean, no. I'm joking, but to be honest with you, I've felt that with people. Oh, they yeah. talked about, oh, I just hope the Lord doesn't come back before because I... And that's a, that's a real worldview. That's a thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad you guys got married. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at one point I wasn't sure we were going to with uh, some of the arguments we had. But um, <clears throat> well, he says he kept an open mind, but now I know what my wife's telling me when she says keep an open mind. It means I'm smarter than you. you just got figured it out. Yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. Uh, it's awesome. So yeah, um, so after that, after we got married, I guess we still kept studying. We still kept looking into this. Um, it just we kept digging and digging until we got to I don't know, amillennialism. Yeah, I think that was the yeah. Next. When we started the whole thing, once I saw, you know, there were there's all these different views. Um, we had started ordering book, a lot of eschatology books and got us all into this. So yeah, probably by 2015, 14, we were. Um, I started looking at the millennium. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading Revelation chapter 20 one day, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. The great white throne judgment, this sounds like the second coming, and this is at the end of the thousand years. So I was, that was confusing me. So I said to Pete, I think I can see why some people are amillennial. And we, so again, we ordered some more books on millennium views, and uh, we spent a lot of money in books. Became amillennial. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, yeah, yeah. I became an amillennialist, and then had to poke holes in premillennialism for him. Yeah. And he, again, kind of resisted yeah. that for a little while, but he studied it. But I think what it was, like, you know, in the traditional view, everything's, like, kind of scattered all over the place and spread out. And I think amillennialism just brought everything together to line it up real nice. But we were still wrong in the timing, but it at least got us together. Everything got together, yeah. which was important, because now we can see, you know, how things were supposed to play out. Mm-hmm. But we still had the timing wrong. We didn't know it at the time, but, like, you know, we were still looking into this and yeah cuz we weren't partial preterist or anything we just yeah. had that as our millennial view and i guess we were like idealist on yeah. revelation yeah i'd say mm-hmm. so but then from there yeah we just kept studying we just never stopped really and then you know um she was on facebook groups and they would have lots of studies lots of groups and i know i think it was don preston and steve gregg mm-hmm. had a debate um i think that really opened your eyes there too. I mean, cause we were starting to dabble with preterism, but we were like, oh no, everyone's like, you know, preterism's, you know, not good. And, or, you know, you could be a, become a full preterist and that's just terrible, you know? And, um, 
you know, it's a slippery slope. If you go partial, you could just slide right off and be full and, you know, work right out. I mean, in an instant. I mean, you it. would have to believe what the Bible <laughs> yeah. said yeah. if you did that. Yeah. yeah. No, just mm-hmm. so, so I don't know if you want to explain more on the that part of the journey or. Um, yeah. Well, I was, uh, yeah, still am actually in the Steve Gregg Facebook group and the uh, on millennialism. I liked Steve Gregg. So I liked his teaching on the millennium, and then we got his book, The Four Views on Revelation. But I didn't know right er- early on that he was a preterist or a partial preterist. So once I found that out, I had some problems with that because he, he was very inconsistent with his preterism, and I started to have problems with that. And then I started, well, I learned about preterism from the Amillennialism Facebook group, and I always say it's funny because they, uh, they ban discussion of full preterism. But there's, a, there's plenty of partial preterism discussion in there. And that's where I actually learned about AD 70 and the tribulation in Matthew 24 being passed. And that's what got me to dig deeper and say, you know, got confronted with the time statements. And then, go ahead. I was going to say, AD 70 was absolutely huge, in fact. Um, and she was on Facebook a lot and had a lot of friends. And I remember I had in my cart uh, what really happened in AD 70. And she's like, before you order it, hold on, I'm friends with Beth Stevens in the group or whatever. And and she goes, you know, I'll, let me just talk to her first. And then we ended up actually getting invited to Ed and Beth Stevens' house. And, you know, instead of buying the book, we just hopped in the car, drove two hours and went and had like a six-hour Bible study with Ed and everything. And we were like, wow, because I couldn't get past myself. I couldn't get past 2 Peter 3. I was just like, that's just the end of the world. You're not telling me otherwise. But then he just went step by step through that whole thing and straightened me right out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then once that was done, I was like, okay. And then, you know, when I got home, I actually, he gave, and he blessed us with all these resources and books and stuff. He just gave us a box of stuff. It was such a blessing. Anyway, I got home and like the next day I woke up, it was like seven in the morning and I just read his whole book on what hap- really happened in 8070. And I was just blown away. I was like, okay, this is going to be tough to kind of refute here. And I didn't, you know, I was still not a hundred percent sold at this point, but I was kind of getting there. I think you, at this point though, you were probably a full preterist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, I was taking some time. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I really wanted to try to just see if this is the truth now because we're on this long journey and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like when's this going to end? Like we're just keep studying, we keep changing the views, but it's, it is a journey. I mean, because you're starting in dispensationalism. So, so for me, um, I wanted to disprove this. So I got, when shall these things be? And I was reading that. I'm like, oh, maybe some good arguments. But then I got house divided. And I was like, wow, okay, these are way better arguments. And then I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like okay, you know. Uh, if you'd only started it, there first. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, so then I was like, wow, there's really something to this. And I started reading. I was, uh, I think there's a couple others, like uh, Calvary Chapels, uh, top 10 reasons against preterism and just a lot. I think Doug Wilson did that. There's a lot of other books I was just reading trying to disprove this, but in trying to disprove it, I just saw everyone making a case for it in their arguments. They're actually making great points for full preterism. And I'm just like, wow, like even in their biggest arguments, it's, we're kind of going the other way here. So I was just mm-hmm. like, everything's leading to this. And then I'm kind of realizing that if preterism's wrong, I mean, my Bible's probably wrong because it's all scripture and I'm in all of the scripture and I'm looking at the words, what they really mean now, because I had a certain presupposition of what those words meant before, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm two Peter three, I was hung up on elements, like literal elements, like right. the periodic table, but not yep. like, you know, the basic principles mm-hmm. that really changes everything, yeah. stuff like that. And what the words really mean in context. And that was huge for me. Then I was sold and, and you know, it's been that way ever since. But again, in, in this process, we literally... But I spent thousands of money, thousands of dollars in books. I have a library in my house now. I mean, it's just crazy. 
But a lot of books were very helpful, too, in the beginning to get out of dispensationalism, like Hank Hanegraaff's book, kind of Apocalypse Code, got me straightened out a bit. Um, I remember, was it Ralph Woodrow, uh, Prophecies of the Bible was very helpful. Uh, Last Day's Madness was wonderful. That really helps get my head screwed on straight. Uh, mm-hmm. There was just a lot of books that kind of straightened me out and just let me see the other perspective on you know what the scriptures were saying. So it was very, very good and very helpful. And her, she's really, <laughs> it's just great to bounce ideas off her. And like, she's been, I mean, I, I wonder if, I always wonder if, if I didn't meet her, if I ever would have got to like full preterism, I don't know. I would like to think I would, but like, I don't really think I probably would have. She mm-hmm. really challenged me the whole way and really kind of got me uh, to where I am today. And um, yeah. When well, you uh, mentioned Hank Hanegraaff earlier, I, uh, one, I was watching a debate and I think it was with Mark Hitchcock. Yes, we know that debate well. You know that debate? Yeah, oh yeah. You know how he recites all of Revelation, yes. basically the the first chapter. Mm-hmm. He just recites it. Yeah. And when you're listening to it, and, and, and the debate is on the dating of Revelation. Revelation. Mm-hmm. He says, just listen. And then he recites it. It is beautiful. It's stunning how well he says it. And it's like, you feel like it's definitely earlier than what we think just because of how he says it and what it means to the people. And I'll always thank Ken Canegraaff just for even doing that, regardless of, of any of these other theologies, just reading the scriptures and hearing it. Because he says, you know, you have to hear this, read, you know, say this to the people to read this. And so I heard that. So when you said that, I thought, man, Hank Canegraaff was a part of my, you know, for me, like, I was like, oh, wow, that early date. I'm kind of feeling it until I got to Ken Gentry and all and read all those stuff. So oh, anyway, yeah. that's good. I just wish he did a little bit better in that debate, though. That's uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> I feel like isn't a lot it? of people walked away, yeah, like still, you know, dating it in '95 or later. Yeah, you know, I mean, the one thing it is good that he recited it, but I feel like, you know, we're all kind of looking at the same scripture and we're just interpreting it differently. And yeah. just reciting it maybe is not going to change their mind. You know, you need to like get into it a little bit more. Oh, that that's was, definite. You know, I just like for, for me, it just it affected me so much that I just thought this had to mean something to those people. Oh, absolutely. It had to. It had to mean something to them. Well, you said something earlier about in context, looking at it in context. Do you want to open up on that a little bit more? Um, I just, well, I think the main thing was for us, and we always ask this question, like why do we not, or why are we not taught 80-70 in church? Why are we not yeah. taught yeah. this in, you yeah, know, we're all asking that question. Everybody, like, why is this not in every church, no matter what denomination? I mean, it's a big point. I mean, you have Christianity being untethered from Judaism. I mean, you have a new covenant fully established. I mean, there's so much there, but we're never taught that. And, you know, all the scriptures in context had to mean something to the people you know, the, these letters were written to, right? I mean, if, if if I gave you a letter that was, okay, you know, hey, Ralph, here's a letter, but, you know, don't open it up until 2,000 years later. I mean, you could care less about the letter. I mean, <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. Right. So, and I feel like the church is just teaching this way, and it's just very um, crazy. It's very, it's, it, I, I don't, it, we, we always used to say, like, it's crazy we even have to have these conversations, because we, if you just read it, like, you wouldn't, unless you were told otherwise, if you just read the book, you wouldn't have to think it was like 2,000 years in the future. You would say it was to those people that the letter was written to mm-hmm. then. You know, it's just crazy that we even have to have like these, we always say on our walks, like these conversations and whatnot. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all or, no, okay. <laughs> so um, anyway, it's just, um, these letters had to mean something to them. And I just feel like the Bible is like the only literature that we read that we throw the date like crazy and we think it was written to us. Like, yes you know, like yesterday and we're reading other people's mail. I mean, it's just so, 
It's so crazy. But in context, all this stuff had to mean something to them. It just really starts to come to life. You know, we can learn from scripture. We can learn from every part of it, but it wasn't written to us, but we benefit from it, you know? I agree with so, that context yeah. a lot. I, I, when I went to Germany the first time as a kid, we, I was in history class, uh, and then I went to Germany, and they started asking me all these questions about what's going on with the presidency and what's going on, and I could see that they're seeing my world a completely different way than I do, and I'm living in it. And it, I think it's the same thing, uh, same thing here. That's one of the things that we we encountered as a group, is that when I discovered Berean Bible Church, you know, through YouTube, and I was watching, you know, David Curtis and Jeff McCormick and, and Bob and Mike and all of them, you know, and just I was absorbing all of this information. I was like, "What is this magic that you speak?" You know, like <laughs> audience relevance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and oh, so yeah. when I when I brought the all of a discourse, I remember, you know, Andy. You know who's an atheist? I don't mean to call you out, Andy, in the middle of a church, but bam. <laughs> Lights on fire immediately. <laughs> Lights on fire immediately. No, but whenever I, when I introduced the subject to the group and I said, okay, just understand that we're reading this and it means something to them. Audience relevance matters. We're reading other people's mail. And he was like, okay, fine. Like, no problem, because he hadn't been indoctrinated with all of the stuff that we had. So he saw it plain as day. And I was like, man, I wish I could have his brain right now, because then I could read it the way that I need to read it, because I'm reading these words, and I'm hearing so many other sermons that I've been taught my whole life, you know? Oh, yeah. it, was, it would be nice to have that fresh approach. And I think that's what your book did for me, actually. That's also what Glenn Hill's book did, too. It was a fresh approach. It was such a humble, fresh approach. I think that's what Sherry said, isn't it? Something like that, though, for you? Yes. So, um, obviously, uh, Rick led me to the Lord um, eight years ago and, and, and of course, introduced me into the dispensationalism. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, I do thank you for leading me to the Lord. The one thing, though, um, we, we, we've she been is complimenting friends, you. <laughs> actually, uh, about 10 years. And so, you know, he several attempts he made trying to talk to me about the Lord. Um, time of my life, really, it was like— you know, not what I, really what I want to hear. So, um, but he he brought to me the love of Christ, which then sparked, hey, you know. So, um, going to church, you know, I get my Bible. I'm so excited, you know, I've got my Bible and I've got me a study Bible and and I sit in here and I'm listening to the sermons. And of course, you know, the preacher gets up there and he's preaching. He's like, well, everybody knows the story about so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so and, so. and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I gotta be the only retard sitting here that doesn't know <laughs> the stories in this Bible because I've not read them. And so I'm like, okay, so. <laughs> that was a well, bad word, you know. That was a bad word. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm, I'm reading and I hear the sermons and um, I come across something. And like you said, you, you come across scripture, you hear what they're teaching, you're reading, and you're like, I must be the only person that's not getting this. And so then I would text Rick up, and I'm like, hey, what about this? Or, hey, what about that? And so, you know, we'd have a discussion, and he would kind of help, you know, get me through that one. Um, one big hang-up, of course, was, you know, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. But yet, you know, then, of course, we're speaking about the rapture, and people are going to come out of the graves. And I'm like, I'm like a little lost here. And um, so over the years, Rick and I have had discussions. Well, then he brings to me this idea. And at the time, you know, just personal things going on in each of our lives, my friend presents this idea to me, and I think he's crazy. And, uh, but he, you know, I'm like, well, he's led me to the Lord, and so I'm going to trust him. But I want to see evidence, and I want to know. And one thing that I have always said, 
I don't want to hear a commentary's book, I guess. I want to I want to see scripture reference scripture and you know show me those kinds of things. And so when I picked up your book, um, the the layout of the book is just it was like it danced off the pages because it's parallel, it's straight to the point, it's scripture after scripture. And I'm like, you know, if if you ever wanted to go, okay, well, where's the gray area or you get some tap dance around excuse or reason or or whatever, it's not there in your book. It's just straight to the point. And that's just the one thing that I really liked about the book. And I, I picked it up and I think I started reading it on a Saturday and by Sunday morning, I'm texting Rick and I'm like, man, this book is just awesome. It's like, it, you know, I when I have a question about something, something that maybe he and I had discussed, you know, previously, I, I'm like, oh, well, what about that? You know, and I've turned the page and there's the answer turn the page and there's the answer. And it references other people's books as well. But the thing is, it just goes right back to scripture. I, it's not a whole book about, well, so-and-so interpreted it this way, and so it's this. It was, it's scripture. It's scripture. And that was the one thing that I've always wanted. I don't, I don't want anything else. I want the truth, and I want it to come out of scripture. And that's, that's what I found in yeah, your book. Yeah, that hunger for truth that you described, that you had, you guys somehow managed to condense all of that and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a library and hand us a very inexpensive book that did all that extra work that you guys had to do for us to make it easier, which I appreciate. But I really want to hear how you guys did that. Like, take us down that path. So you you both have come to full preterism and then decide, hey, let's make this easy for people. Um, (laughs) We were at Cheesecake Factory, actually, when we came up with this idea. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we actually, she... It was my idea to, I guess, write the book, but um, she came up with, we should call the book The Return of Christ, and I came up with Why Are We Still Waiting, and then I had the cover in my head, and then from there, um, it started to come together. Do you want to? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, not everybody knows this, but um, I wrote a couple other books along the way, but they're not published. Mm. So uh, along the journey, I kind of documented, so I wrote a book, Refuting the Pre-Trib Rapture, in a similar style, very short. And then I, I wrote one on amillennialism and re- refuting premillennialism. So the reason is because a lot of the books out there, and they're, they're great, and if you like to read like Pete does, but they're long and it's hard to share that with somebody. And so, yeah, we, we do that. And then so we can hand it to our friends or our pastor and say, here, read this, and, and they'll read it. So... When I first became a preterist, Pete says to me, are you going to write a book about preterism? I said, no, absolutely not. That's too much, too much work. But then as we studied more, it was probably a couple years into it, he came up with the idea for me to, or well, for us to write a book. We did it together, but it was to give me a project to work on because I'm home by myself a lot. I'm disabled now and he works. So, uh, he wanted to give me something to focus on. So that's actually how it started. But we did it in the same style as like the, the Millennium book we did, real simple, kind of laid out the same way because he helped me with that book too and did it using PowerPoint and with the charts and the spacing and everything. Yeah, the whole book is, I used PowerPoint for the whole book actually, mm-hmm. laid out the whole thing. And uh, we just wanted to make it real simple. So we were like, okay, scripture's going to be in a certain box, quotes will be in another box, and then we're just going to keep everything real short. And we also wrote it in a way that like, okay, we're going to talk about the problem. You only get two pages for the problem. So we're going to make it fit in two pages. Last days, you're only two pages. Okay, so next. Just each, just, <laughs> wow. you know, kind of write to the page instead yeah. of just write the topic. So sometimes we have written a lot of, uh, 
lot of material, but then we had to keep condensing it down. And then we, you know, sometimes put a chart in there because, you know, you could write three pages or I could just put a chart and use half a page. You know, it just went a lot quicker. It was a lot easier. A lot of people are visual learners like myself. And it just makes it so much easier to refute everything, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're needed. We would put uh, the scriptures or, you know, the arguments or whatever we had to put to just, you know, seal the deal. But a lot of times, uh, yeah, we just wrote to the page and then we made sure we added pictures and made it interesting. We wanted to... Uh, we don't want people to be bored. We want it to look fun and interesting. So it's like stuff pops off the page, like you were mentioning. And um, just so people wouldn't get bored on this topic. And we also want to make it kind of a little bit lighthearted with the cartoons and fun, because we are challenging everybody's faith and paradigm and everything. And it is a big switch. So mm-hmm. eschatology affects everything. <laughs> so yeah. you want to add any more? I lost my thought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh I think I was just going to say, because I mean, neither of us have been to Bible college or college at all, but we've devoted a lot of our spare time. So pretty much since we started dating, most of our spare time, we're watching debates, we're watching eschatology teachings and reading books he loves to read. So yeah, a lot of this, like our book actually came together pretty quickly. A lot of it was from memory, remembering a certain video we watched and oh, I want to use that quote or I want to use that. And and then he's got a pretty good library of books now, so I was able to kind of scour his books for, you know, quotes. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of it's our, our own words, but we some people sometimes other people say things so much more mm-hmm. eloquently. And, sure. You know, so we threw a lot of quotes in there. Absolutely. I would say, too, like a lot of people, like I worked a full-time job, so I would like literally work all day, come home. If I had to teach uh, music after that, I would, you know, we would have dinner, and then we would just work on this book until the wee hours and then start all over again. Mm-hmm. So, but we literally, um, I know there's a lot of video references, and people might think we have no life and watch a lot of videos, and you'd be right. We did. <laughs> uh, we watched a ton of videos, YouTube videos, documentaries, anything we can get our hands on, books, everything. We just did this for close to about 10 years or so. Um, we just dove in. And like I said, we just wanted the truth. And, you know, for me, I didn't care if a book costs a hundred dollars. It's got a nugget of truth in there that I'm not aware of. I'm paying a hundred dollars and getting that book. Like I want to get to the bottom of this. Like Mm -hmm. I need to know. And, um, I feel like I hit rock bottom here with uh, preterism here as far as getting to the truth. And, um, yeah, but it's been quite the journey and quite the study. And, you know, the book, I know we would argue on what to put where and, you know, this and that, but she, I would say wrote about 75 percent of the book. I mean, she's a good writer. I'm, my grammar stinks, you know, but I'm trying to get more good of her. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's, she's really a writer and I just kind of organized everything, made it look nice. And we would discuss the topics too, to make sure it was good. But yeah. Yeah. And I was just gonna say, we get, we get very into this. So I was actually surprised like in 2019 when he went to uh, Ed Stevens in Beth's house with because what it was is I had joined uh, the partial and full preterist group. I was trying to figure this all out and I'm asking questions and Beth had reached out to me because she saw that it looked like we lived close by. So she invited us out and he actually went because I knew he was still struggling with it and I didn't know if he'd be open to it and he did. And then um, that was a a fun year. We we got invited to, uh, so we're brand new preterists. We got invited to... uh, a Bible study on the book of Revelation. A, a friend we know, he teaches Revelation from a historicist view, mm-hmm. but he allowed us to come and share the preterist view as well alongside him. And um, we were brand new preterists. 
So we, did, uh, we didn't do a good job. We got kind of chewed yeah. up and spit out Defending there. the Predators view, but... <laughs> But in 2019, also, we drove here to Virginia to yep. see David Curtison's church here. Yeah, that was a huge blessing to us. And he gave us Glenn Hill's book, uh, which was awesome. I actually started reading that uh, here, and then we went to D.C. on the way home, and I think I finished it in D.C., and I was like, this book is great. You know, it just kind of dumbed everything down. It was a real easy read. I was like, this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like uh, Bamboozled Believers. It was another kind of a good book there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they were very helpful. So what's next? So you guys have... You've written this book, and obviously, if it's okay with you guys, I would like to put a link on our website that links it to where you can go and wherever you sell your books so that people know where to get it from, if that would be okay. Oh, or absolutely. Some, you know, or you can even tell us right now, and they can hear it as well. Well, we don't have a—we're kind of sad here. We don't have a website or anything at the moment. We, you can just order on Amazon, Okay. or uh, you can reach out uh, through Facebook to us, and we— you know, because we're actually mailing and doing the shipping. We're doing everything on yes. this as well. So, because um, mm-hmm. it's real new right now. But um, yeah, it's available on Amazon. And uh, I know in Rochester, New York, it's local uh, Alpha and Omega bookstores. And um, that's pretty much it. Well, I think I'll just, if it's all right, I'll just put the button for the. Was that? Oh, yeah. The name of the book is The Return of Christ Why Are We Still Waiting? Mm-hmm. Return of Christ Why Are We Still Waiting? Like Pete and Rachel Rue. Yep. W R U E. Uh, I could put the link to the Amazon page, I guess, you know, yes. so they could click the button and go straight there so they can get it from there. Because I'm sure a lot of people that listen actually want to go and find some of the books that we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, we only printed 125 books at first. We sold out in a month and a half, got into 22 states in Canada, and then we met just amazing, wonderful Preterist friends from all over, Facebook friends. It's just been wonderful. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just started to just getting some legs and starting to get some ground here. Yeah, so. yeah, we've had... Actually, several people have ordered uh, in bulk so they can give the book out to people. I was I was terrified to publish a book, and I was like, no, I don't want I don't want to put something out there with my name on it. You know, you just expect criticism, which that's normal. That's going to come. But <laughs> honestly, Preterist, you felt some criticism already. I promise. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. yes. But I was really surprised by all the good feedback we've gotten from fellow Preterists. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I guess we did a good job. Because I mean, we're we're very new. We've only been Preterists for a few years now, solid three, three four years. So I'm like, who are we to write a book? You know what I mean? But we, we just have seven, felt like we, we have we seven five-star ratings though so far on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> That's better than our 1,400, so, uh, 1,415 thumbs downs that we got. That's, But we're making some moves, man. That's good. Well, we're competing with Pete the Cat. That's underneath <laughs> our things. The kids book, and he's got like a 1,000 uh, five-star reviews. So we got a lot of catching up yeah, to do. Yeah, if you search Pete's name on, on Amazon, our book comes up, and then next is Pete the Cat. Yeah. <laughs> We've often wondered, I know Cherry, she mentioned that, you know, about her grandchildren that enjoyed looking at the book. And we've always wondered if there would ever be a children's book that we could offer because as believers you know we take you know we take our children or grandchildren to church and they're being there aren't a whole lot of preterist churches around let's just be real and so we try to share that with them and, and it's kind of confusing for them because they hear one thing and they see another and I'd, it'd be great if we had something that we could actually share we say a pop-up book that's a haha funny but really something is simple and your book is but maybe even simpler, you know, just something that a child could understand. I think for us, though, I th- we, we talked, um, I had the idea because, like, you know, the church is, like, over here and we're over here and there's this great chasm of deer in the headlights. No one knows what we're talking about and everything. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to just have a book where, you know, we could just write it with um, pictures and just, like, talk about, like, the millennium, you know, two pages, 
next page, you know, premillennialism, next two pages, next page, you know, yeah. with the pictures, brief, you know, why people believe the view, stuff like that. And just mm-hmm. not state whether it's a right view or wrong view, but just state the view and why people believe that view. Mm-hmm. But also have preterism in there, full preterism in there, um, yeah. and make it part of more of the norm, you know. It would also educate the church and also uh, push preterism as well. I mean, it would just be, I think it's needed for the church. Mm-hmm. And everyone I've talked to, including my pastor, is like, wow, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So I would agree with that. Absolutely. We need to bridge that gap, I think. The biggest, of course, you know, it's not in the creeds. How many times? It's not in the creeds. Well, it's like, I understand that. But there are some other things that weren't in the creeds, too, that were adopted later. So this needs to be a part of the conversation. Do you, so other than that, do you guys have any other ideas for books coming out in the future? What about the ones you didn't publish? You're going to try to publish them, or did you? No, nope, not going to happen, huh? <laughs> no, I don't agree with everything I said. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. I was yeah. a futurist. <laughs> yeah. Those could always be books on how I got here. Yeah. 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 yeah she summed up the, in the end like of our book that we have like a journey page just to show because I thought it was necessary just to show the journey because it is a journey and it takes a long time to get there. Yes. But also just to show people like, look, we're not tossed by every wind of doctrine. You know, we're actually studying and trying to get to the truth here, you know, Mm -hmm. because some people say, well, you've changed your view a lot so far. And we're like, well, sometimes you have to, to get to where you got to go. To weed yourself out of dispensationalism. Yeah. It's it's a step-by-step process. Well, that's the word that's been used all day long, journey. And, And again, I'll say this to all the listeners. It is a journey. And wherever you are, just keep going. Keep reading, yeah. keep asking questions. Go tell your pastor I said to ask him a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a pastor yell at me one time and say, God doesn't change. I said, I'm very aware of that. So then yeah. why did you change <laughs> But I think I should probably, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not God. You know, so the, the change is part of it. It has been, it's just been a journey. So thank you guys so much for being on our show, from coming all the way down from Rochester to be here. And it means a lot to me personally, that you guys are here. And um, guys, we'll put it on the website. We'll put a link. Uh, I'll have it on before this show gets up sometime in January, I believe, when it comes out, but I'll, I'll have that link. Please go and get this book if you're interested. It is the most clear and concise, small, easy-to-read book that you'll ever get in regard to full preterism. And it, it, it will teach you uh, really, really quickly, won't it, Jerry? Very quickly, you know, and it's, and it's, a very, and it's, it's not mean or you know, pushy or whatever. It's just very clear and concise. Something I really love. And it's got pictures. Yeah. <laughs> very yes. good pictures. So thank you both for being on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much thank for you. having us. We really appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Ralph, Represent. Jerry, <laughs> Mr. Eye Candy. <laughs> exactly. Charlton. Andy. Thanks for being here, guys. And we will talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.